This is the Game Level Learn podcast. Join us as we discuss games, gaming, and gamification in the context of teaching and learning. We discuss games new and old and unpack how those games might be used out of the box as a tool for game-based learning, while also discussing how the mechanics of games can be repurposed for entirely different learning objectives. If you're a teacher or a student, parent, administrator, game designer, game publisher, writer, or just someone interested in cutting-edge education, Game Level Learn is for you. And welcome to the second season of Game Level Learn. I am your co-host, John Cassie, and I am joined now and for the rest of the history of this podcast by my dear friend, former colleague, and the star of episode three of Game Level Learn season one, Tracy Wozenegger. Tracy, welcome to your official co-hosting duties. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yeah. And to be now not just a guest, but an integral uh, player in this game of gamification that we're uh, that we're evangelizing out to the rest of the country. Right. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to save a conversation about the games that we've been playing in the last six months or so for the last episode of this of this right. season. Uh, listeners, we've got seven, maybe eight episodes planned. For this season, it's all going to be about games that you as a teacher should play and then the ways in which you might use those games as games or use the mechanics of those games to gamify your classroom. So this season is going to be really focused conversation between Tracy and me each episode about specific kinds of games uh, or indeed specific games. And that leads me to introducing the episode this episode's game which is seven wonders now yay, Tracy, yay seven wonders uh, <laughs> a game I generally come in third I always feel that if you don't lose seven wonders you win seven wonders so coming in third is still winning it's akin to winning yeah as long as you're not last you right. won right I love that yeah, right? that's how it uh, is. Right, and there's um, there, you know, there's no uh, there's no mechanism by which your wonder crashes into the sea or right, right, and that's you nice. Got some wonders, you've got some science going. Right, some commerce, a t- some a temple maybe. You won. Right, look at me. <laughs> I built half of the Great Pyramid. Right. I'm a winner. That's right. Right. I mean, all these people slagging me for building half of a hanging garden. (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, look, give me a break, people. It's outrageous. Okay, so, Tracy. Let's talk about how we play Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders is it looks sort of uh, uh, kind of wildly complicated. Yes. uh, But it's actually just a couple of very straightforward mechanics Right. That that are then made complex by kind of the, you know, the, the, the nature of what you're trying to accomplish. Right. And what everyone around you is trying to accomplish at the same time. Exactly. Right. So kind of right. walk us a little bit through the uh, the, the play of this game that won uh, a, a boatload a of, of awards, awards. Yeah. Uh, when it was published. It's maybe seven or eight years old now. So. Oh, um, is it that old now? Yeah, I think it's 2009. OK. Yeah. OK. Ooh. So. In any case, talk talk us through what you do when you're playing Seven Wonders. So in Seven Wonders, 
um, each player, up to seven, um, has a different civilization, and they're trying to build their wonders for their civilization. They're trying to build up their civilization in general. So the car, the game is played in three rounds um, of card drafting. So if you're unfamiliar with card drafting, um, if if John and I were playing together and, and seated next to each other, I would have eight cards in my hand. I would select the card that I want to keep this turn. Um, and then I would pass all of my discards to John, who is my neighbor. Um, John would do the same thing and pass his cards to his neighbor. So you're going to do this seven times. Um, if you're playing with seven people, you're going to do this seven times during that round of the game or that age. So there's three ages where you do this, where you, you do this card drafting mechanism. Um, and you're drafting cards to build a tableau in front of you. Um, so you have a, a card for your civilization and it is prompting you about some things that you need to build your wonders. Um, you're also able to build, um, to place resource cards that help you buy other things and some other different sort of sets that you can collect to gain points. Right. And these are um, all the seven wonders of the ancient world. Correct. Right. These are the, you know, the pyramids and the lighthouse at Alexandria and the mausoleum and, you know, that kind of thing, right? Right. So it's not modern. It's really meant to be ancient. So the resources are things like uh, stone and brick and and things like that. Fabric. Right. Fabric um, and some, glass. Right. 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 You know, I, and which you need those things in, in different kinds of combinations in order to buy increasingly more useful cards. Correct. Right. Okay. Right. And there are a number of different sort of sets that you can collect. Um, you can um, collect military sets and beat your neighbors in military um, conflicts to earn points. You can collect scientific cards to build science sets and scientific knowledge to earn points. You can build um, commerce cards that, that John mentioned and some lesser um, like temples, statues, and things like that. And each different set that you collect gives points in a different mechanism. Right. So you sort of have to decide at the beginning of the game or pretty quickly once you start what you're going to focus on trying to build. Right. The game, the game rewards you for uh, focusing your energies and building a kind of civilization that is good at X. X, right. And it doesn't reward you for being kind of a generalist. Right. Right. It's it, been my experience that the focused player generally wins. Right. Um, we can come and back to that as a kind of, you know, you play it out of the box. What does it tell you about the way the game thinks about ancient civilizations? We can come back to that. Right. But as a gameplay, if you are the one with the most science, you're, you're most likely going to win. You're going to do well. Yeah. Right. If you've got the most civics, you're going to do well. If you build your wonder, that's sort of what's expected. So that's not a great help. Right. right. But it's sort of expected. So, yeah. Okay. So you're passing cards, you're card drafting, right? right? So you're, you're, you're taking the best of what you get. 
and right. you're, and you're passing it on. And if you're playing a seven-player game, you only see those combinations one time. Once. Right? Yeah. So it's like you've got your seven cards, pick the best one. You're going to get six, and you'll never see that combination of six again. No. Because it's going to be bye then bye. five, four, three, etc. Right? Right. You get to the end of the age. You sort of do some some cleanup. Right. And, and then, then we start all over. And that's kind of lather, rinse, repeat. Right. Right. Um, with increasingly expensive cards yes, that kind of reflect the fact that your civilization has gone from kind of a stone age to like a bronze age to like an iron age kind right. of thing. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, managing the resources and the military and the science and the civics and the cash and building your wonder and all that stuff, um, I mean, that's kind of where the game's fun is, right? At right. least to me, Right. Um, what makes it sort of sublime to you? I mean, it's a virtually perfect game, right? To it me, is. it's virtually it is. perfect. You know, wh- wh- why is it that way to you? I think because every game I've played has been so different, right? Um, you know, you get a different wonder every time. Or you're lucky and you get Halicarnassus. Um, <laughs> uh, there's so much going on. And the more I play it, you know, when I first learned to play, I was only in my little world looking at my tableau. Right. Trying to manage my business. And right. then slowly you sort of realize I need to look at my neighbors because I can trade resources with my neighbors. There's right. some play there. Right. Right. And I want to make sure, are they building a giant military? Right. Right. To, to, to crush me at the end of this round. And, you know, I've played it enough now that I actually look at the whole table. So right. instead of just looking at my neighbors, now I'm looking at, oh, what's Bill doing over there three seats away? Right. I'm not going to let this card get past me because if these two yahoos between us don't stop it, that's going to be 16 points for Bill down there. That's right. That's right. And yeah. no one wants that. No one wants that. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And if, if you're the only person who can see the disaster of that coming. Right. Right. The game provides you with some mechanisms to bury cards. Right. It's like, well, I can't build, I can't make this card that Bill wants. But right. I need to make but my can, wonder. Right. And so I can, I can still bury. prevent Bill from getting it. Right. Yeah. I can prevent Bill from getting it. Um, right. And and it really is about kind of understanding what's in that hand. Mm-hmm. And then what's in the next hand. And what have you sent on? Right. Right. So it looks like, I mean, when you're playing it, you know, it takes a, it takes a uh, you know, like a table. If you're playing with seven people. It takes a, a table that you'd put a Thanksgiving feast on. Right. Right. Because you've got all these cards and all this stuff everywhere. But at the end of the day, that game is its hand, the hand of cards. Mm-hmm. And the mechanism of passing that hand. And the right. decisions you have made. Right. Right. And selecting. Right. And passing on. Yeah. Right. Because because at, 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 the, at the end of the game... The cards you've put down in front of you are going to tell the story of your civilization. Yeah. And, and they're going to earn you the points that you need or they're not going to earn you the points you need, you know, in order to win. Right. Because, right. 
As is more likely. As is us. more likely. Yeah. It's not going to provide you with the points you need. And you're yeah. going to come up on, you know, 42 points, which, right. you know, that's good for fifth place. Right. Right. Um, not losing. Not losing because, you you know, you didn't lose. Um, right. So it's fun to play it out of the box kind of because of its its kind of accessible complexity. Right. Right. I mean, it's complex, Right. Yeah, it's going to take you a, a run through, I would say. Right. To feel good about playing it. Right. Yeah. At, at least to get the, uh, you know, kind of the mechanic of the card drafting itself right. down. Now, right. one of the things we're going to do in this season of GLL is sort of focus on the G, the game part uh, of, uh, of, our, of our mission. And when we think about that, we want to think about the game as a game and then the game out of the box in the classroom and then the mechanics of the game. In the classroom. In the classroom, right? So it's sort of like the game itself, using the game as a piece of game-based learning, then learning the game, uh, the game's mechanics for gamification, right? So when you think about it out of the box... What does that look like to you? You're a science teacher. I'm a science teacher. And I'm a mostly humanities guy, right? So I suspect I may have more on this than you, but I don't know. So out of the box, what does that look like for you? Yeah, the only thing out of the box for me, I teach – usually I teach chemistry and global issues. And the the resource usage I think could be pretty interesting – for environmental science, right? Um, a global issues course. You know, you're dependent on the resources that you make or your neighbors make. And I have seen games where the winner has not had any of their own resources, but has relied on neighbors. So they're right. sort of paying their neighbors constantly to use other people's resources. Um, and I've seen, you know, people win by having you know, a huge stack of their own resources. Right. Um, so I haven't, I haven't given it an enormous amount of thought. Um, I was focusing sort of on the game mechanics um, and not the out of box. Right. But, um, but there's something there with resources and, you know, what does it mean that you're relying on your neighbors and does that give you a disadvantage or an advantage or, right. you know, that you can't support your, your, your civilization can't support itself but you have to have a great economy in Seven Wonders. You have to have a great economy to afford resources from your neighbors. Right, right. If you don't make stuff, you'd better make money. Right. Right. And when I've seen people win by having no resources, their neighbors who have a lot of resources, and this this may just be a quirk of the game, you know, the person who wins with no resources usually has one because of their science sets that they're building. Right. So I would say they're a more developed civilization. Yep. Right. And their neighbors tend to be less developed. Right. So they have a lot of resources. They built wonders, but they don't have the science. Maybe they have some military right. and things like that, but they're not as developed of a civilization. Right. So taking that, Again, I'm not sure how I would apply this in chemistry, right? 
But I think right. from a global studies perspective, you've raised some very provocative uh, and intriguing points for me. So imagine your uh, now you you do a class on big data. Correct. Okay. So you're really interested in kind of massive uh, data sets and what they tell us about the way the world works. Okay. Right. <clears throat> Why does country X have problem Y or advantage Z? Right. Okay. Or how can we use data right. to figure out why country X has problem? Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, imagine a an end of unit experience where you've studied a number of a number of countries, a number of approaches to getting on in this world, right? And you say, We're gonna play Seven Wonders out of the box. I want you to play it as though you were Singapore. Oh, make I the want, decisions as if you're that right, country. Right. Take and so you would have to you'd have to provide a template, right? Right. The Singaporean approach to this game would be resource zero. Right. All science, trade, 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 right? Right. Right. Whereas maybe a country if you were playing it like Canada, you've got lots of resources. And lots right. of civics, right? Because, you know, you've got this very strong civic society in Canada, right? Right. So something like that. I think that would be, I think that'd be a very intriguing very way to play Seven yeah. Wars, right? Yeah. You know, you, uh, you're the expert. You will lose points if you have too much of X. Right. Right. That you've got a, you've got a board that tells you this country is looking for A, B, C, and D as, as added victory conditions. Right. right. And if you don't achieve them or if you achieve the wrong ones, right? Right. You're then, losing points. Right. Right. Um, I think even some of our, you know, really astute and thoughtful students, an interesting exercise would be for them to design that board for the country. Totally. You know, we've played, okay, we've played two games of Seven Wonders. Right. How would Singapore play the game? You tell me. Right. How does Singapore right. win? How does Singapore lose? Right. Redesign How does the, the US wonder, win? Right. right. Redesign the wonder card. Right. For a Singaporean perspective, for Brazil, for South right. Africa, for right. uh for for a country that maybe doesn't doesn't uh uh you know, how would uh, how would uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo what would right. that wonder card look like? And on and on. In that way you get a little bit of that kind of model United Nations vibe about it. Yeah. Right. And kids are always interested in doing Model UN because they're like, I have no idea what Cambodia's perspective is on blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. Um, but now I now I sort of have to take on that identity. Right. Right. So I think or that's what a, if what if the wonder is the natural resource? Right. Right. For some right. countries. Then what do you do? Right. Right. If you're right. the only, uh, you know, if you're the only source in the world for a precious metal or a you know, South Africa diamonds, that kind of thing, right? Right. Um, yeah, all of that could be could be really done right out of the box, right? Because right. the game, because the game as played, is is leveraging all of these qualities that are just part of the natural world. They're just right. part of the world now, right? You know, in our world now, we have resource concerns, military and commerce, trade, science and civics, money. Right. 
you know, we've even got these, uh, there's a special kind of card in the third round called a guild, which is sort of like a hybrid that's looking for how well have you done this kind of thing that you might do in the game, or how well have you combined these kinds of concepts, right? And on and on, right? You know, obviously, as a, as a person who's taught history, um, you could use it right out of the box to really get an understanding of how ancient civilizations thought of themselves, right? That's abstracted, right? But I could imagine some young kids uh, being assigned, you know, become an expert on Halicarnassus, become an expert on, uh, uh, you know, the lighthouse or the Colossus or whatever, right? And then once they have that, kind of building out further, okay, well, what, what did that civilization actually look like, right? They don't even need to play the game. They could take the cards and the materials, right? And it's like, for your final exam, you need to take the materials of this game and construct the tableau that... That your, that right. your civilization would have built would in have an ideal built. situation. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe you could say, okay, well, now come up with two or three ancient wonders that aren't part of the game. What would that civilization look like? Right. If you built it sort of out of the box, right? Um, and I think that would be sort of an intriguing way to play the game. Yeah. Um, in addition to just sort of playing it, right? Right. Um, having said that, I think that when you're looking at the the real genius of this game is this card drafting mechanic. Yes. Right. Now, you must have some thoughts on how you'd use that no, I actually have thoughts on set collection. Oh, really? Okay. I know. But but the, but I, that, that's but that's similar. It is similar, right? Because I'm drafting. You're drafting those sets. Set collection, and right. and in my mind, and I, this is not tested, but in my mind, um, you know, the card drafting could be part of the set collection. So what I was thinking about is, um, I was thinking specifically about lab experiments, right? Um, and we do a lot of skill collection, right? I mean, I arguably in any discipline, you're doing an enormous amount of skill collection. Right. Um, but I was, I had been thinking about experiments, um, for AP chemistry and, um, was also sort of thinking about seven wonders and, and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to, um, to sort of design the lab experiments for the year or a trimester or semester where the students collect their skills. Yeah. And once they have the appropriate set of skills, they can perform lab A. And if they have a, this set of skills, they can do lab C. And maybe they never awesome. do B because they never got that set. But they've done, you know, A and C, and that meets the requirements of the course. Right. And um, and I just thought, wouldn't that be an interesting way? And I guess they would sort of be doing the drafting themselves, right? By selecting the skills that they're right going to focus on. You know, maybe I'm really going to hone in on um, titration, which requires the use of sort of pretty specific glassware and some right some pretty specific techniques, um, you know, so maybe that there are some skills they have to collect, right. You know, mathematical skills, problem solving skills, but then also specific lab techniques and okay, once you've got the whole 
collection, have at it. Now you can titrate <clears throat> vinegar to find out what the molarity of acetic acid is in vinegar. Right. And what's great example. about that is that if you think about the way that Seven Wonders builds the cost of cards, right? Right. You need you need three bricks and a glass to build this thing, right? And that thing you built lets you automatically build some other thing. Right. Or it generates some new uh, resource that you need to build something really grand, right? Right. So you could imagine constructing a a whole year of labs. Yes. Starting with the most expensive, right? Right. Everyone in class has to, by the end of the year, buy one of these four labs. Right. Okay. And this one costs these resources and this and that and the other, right? And over the course of your time, you're having students take quizzes and take exams. Well, this quiz gives you one uh, one piece of trade loot that you need to ultimately buy into track B. Right. Right? You can't buy track B with the one. You need 10 of them, right? But you need the one to buy into that track, right? And then that way, students are making their own choices. They can turn the class essentially into a kind of game experience, which is super exciting. And it gives them choice. Right. They get general skills, and then they get depth, which we all know in this world. If a student gets out of high school without the capacity to think deeply about a subject or a topic, we're in a lot of trouble. Yes. Right. Um, So I love it. I'm going to try it next year, I think, in AP chemistry. Yeah. You might you you might just have like two tracks. Right. Right. And one of them is sort of like the the core. And one of them is sort of like you want to go above and beyond. So it looks like this, you know. Right. Um, And that's super fascinating. Right. Uh, we'll see. Now, one of the things I wrote about in in the book uh, that I wrote, Level Up Your Classroom, yes. available at ASCD or at Amazon.com, go buy one, go buy ten. Um, five stars. Five stars um, is um, the idea of using the card drafting mechanic to assemble a, a final assessment. Yes. Okay. So, uh, you know, you know uh, uh, the example in the book, and I did this kind of thing long time ago in a class I was teaching about the history of Ireland. But basically you've got cards that are looking for content, cards that are looking for certain kinds of historical skills, cards that are looking for certain kinds of outputs. Uh, write a song, uh, write a paper, uh, make a web page, do some blog posts, whatever, right? And so you end up having this massive game with students passing different modalities around right. so, that, so that at the end, when everyone has their cards, they have to uh, sing a, an eight-minute song about this poem yeah. it, that's about this metaphor, at, right? And right. in this way, you know, you hear all this talk, oh, blah, 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 cheating, blah, blah, blah. Well, how's anyone going to cheat on that? No, because everyone's doing their everyone's entirely doing their different thing. Yep. Right. And it's so different. You can't do it all the time, but it's so different that every student has to work 
from their own strengths and within their own modalities, right? Right. If you give a student uh, the requirement that they make an infographic, or no, you don't give it to them. They have selected they want to make an infographic. Right. They had a they had a hand of cards. Yeah, with they could have chosen ten other things. Make right? an infographic, do a presentation, and they thought, oh, infographic. Exactly. Right. They chose right. that. Well, then they're committed to it. Right. And they have ownership for it. Correct. Which is in part the whole goal, right? Right. Um, so I, I think, I mean, set collection, obviously, I think is a killer mechanic, particularly with younger kids. And I think maybe we want to make sure that we've got a full episode of set collection kind of down the road. Right. right. Talk uh, because about- we really should talk about it even more. Right. Right. Than we and have so once far. I once I start my brain, you know, school's wrapping up for me right now. But once summer hits and I have more time to think about my lab set collection. Right. I might even be able to share out some stuff on the website. E- exactly. With more detail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're we're coming to the uh, to the end of our time. Uh, I think you and I would agree that. If you're a teacher interested in doing gamified instruction and you haven't played Seven Wonders. It should be on your list. It's as good a place to start as any. Right. Right. Uh, Because it offers so much intriguing gameplay. Right. uh, That in almost any discipline and any age, you're likely to find something in there, uh, you know, that you can take away. Right. That's useful yeah. somewhere for something. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's a lot of fun. Which is the most important thing. And, right. you know, and as Tracy has shared with <laughs> yeah. you, there's no way to lose unless you come in last. Right. And no one and listening. Then you, and then you still won because you had a great time. That's correct. And, and let's be honest. <laughs> no one listening to this podcast is going to come in last. <laughs> right. Uh so this brings us to the end of our uh, season uh, two debut episode, Seven Wonders. Tracy, thanks for, uh, for, for signing on and being the co-host. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're going we're gonna to have a lot of uh, intriguing conversations about some of the funnest games on the market. That's right. Okay. Folks, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Game Level Learn on Facebook. Uh, I'm at John Cassie at Gmail, uh, at Game Level Learn on Twitter. Tracy, how can people get in touch with you if they wish to? Um, you can find me on Facebook. You can email me. It's tlwazenegger at gl- gmail.com. We'll post that somewhere because spelling. I can barely spell it. Right. Um, and it's on game. It's on the Game Level Learn website as well. So you can find me through Facebook or email. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back in a few weeks for a conversation about Mysterium. If we mess up, we can just start over, right? Correct. Okay. Okay. Um, You ready? Yes. You want to do anything first? You want to clear your throat? Do you need... uh... I'm going to drink some Coke. (coughs) 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 <coughs> Achim. Okay. You ready? No. Yes. You're ready. Okay. Yeah. Three, two, one. <laughs>